Hi, it's Eric. Welcome to the podcast edition of the show. No music right here. I'll give you that in a second because we're once again trying this live from the kitchen so I can sit with the dogs and look how beautiful it is outside. Guys, you want to say hi? Andre? He's licking the rug. Um, let the podcast begin right now. Thanks for being here. Hey. We're, we're rolling because um, uh, we're, we're in the kitchen now with the dogs. Oh, good. I'm in the living room. It's a, uh, it's a, we are, we have always been a very canine friendly podcast. <laughs> right, I'm sure. Let's take bets on when Pete will bark, if it's in the beginning or the end. Uh, when you're home this time, Thomas, Thomas comes in at different times, right? Yeah, but he, this, like, the time for him to come home is like from now until 8.30. You never know. Yeah, it's different, so... I don't know, mailman, FedEx people, what time do yep, they usually... Everybody's coming home from everybody's coming home from work. So anytime that door opens in the hallway, Pete's got like spidey senses and can hear it. How, he's just uh, How much does he weigh again? Um, I want to say he's right around 20 24 pounds. He's he's a, he's like twice Andre's size. <laughs> he's not him and Andre are actually the same like size but pete's just heavier he's just thicker but he doesn't look big you know like he's sometimes i look at him and i'm like you're a little chicken nugget like you're tiny or sunny is sunny's huge she's like 30 pounds 24 pounds of ferocity keeping the neighborhood safe yeah yeah just just you wait until we move your friendly neighborhood dog petey will be on somebody's block well let's start with that um and you know we were talking canines, and I was going to use another, another C word, coward. Um, that's, that's you, because I would have predicted this, this house buying was going to go just like this, because everything you have said, I, have, I thought all the same things about big purchases, and even when I was doing house stuff. So um, we'll, we'll bring, you, you saw it. my friend is selling her place. Online, yeah. you, you said you liked it, and then you called and got an appointment to go see it, and then I wake up and see that you canceled it. I did. I did. I just, I am second-guessing myself and wanting to make sure, and maybe it's because I do come from, like, I'm not far off from my really childish, immature years where I was making, like, um, inappropriate decisions. I wasn't being fiscally responsible. Like what? <laughs> Um, I mean, I've gotten my car repo, like if I'm being 100% honest, like I've gotten, I've had that not in the last five years, but you know, in my twenties, like I have, um, I moved, I, if, if it makes any sense, like my mom moved to Toledo when I was 20 and I was still living in Cleveland. So I ended up living on my own from age of 20 until now. And so my years where I should have been learning financial responsibility. I had tons. I had rent and a car and, you know, medical bills and all of that stuff that I didn't prioritize. So I bought shoes over paying certain bills and things went to collections and all of that stuff. You, you, so I had to grow out of it, which I did. You were learning those lessons by making those mistakes. Correct. Yeah, correct. But those, the feelings of those mistakes. So like, I don't, I try not to let my, um, my money in my bank account get below a certain threshold because for some reason, although I'm well aware, and I know that other people live this way, but like, while I'm well aware of 
where my bills are at and where my uh, my withdrawals and deductions come from for some reason in my head i'm still concerned that like i'll get an overdraft or you know something will or i'll go to the store and i'll get my groceries and my card will be declined because i forgot that this bill was coming out although i know when my bills are you know what i mean it's that it's that threat response that comes from years it. of bad decisions and anyway so as we're like on and I've never saved, we have never saved as much money, like for, if that makes any sense. I think Thomas's biggest purchase and decision was the ring. And he talks about that. So it was a huge accomplishment for him where mine, my biggest, what is going to be this house, like purchasing a house. Well, I, don't, so, um, I don't want you to like be too hard on yourself. And I get the threat response because look, if you've ever had your debit card decline one time, that, that <laughs> dread carries with you forever. But don't yeah. feel like you're that unusual. The repo thing might be a no, bit much. No, no. Like, I remember yelling at, I will never forget where I was when I was, I was 23, 24 years old. And I was grasping having health insurance with this new full-time job. And I was livid with my dad that they had the audacity to charge me for something that I didn't even want. And my dad said, like, you either get the health insurance or, like, there's going to be a serious issue. So like in your twenties is when we are making all these mistakes. So now, right. so when you're 30, you can learn from some of those mistakes and make the right decisions. And your, your, your track is totally fine. No, I know that. Like I, I don't, I'm doing anything out of the ordinary or that I am like any different than other people. Like this is pretty, I feel like it's pretty typical for like a early thirties millennial to have gone through these things. Um, and we talk about that kind of stuff all the time. And even with Thomas, like Thomas, was, it was even different than myself in that it wasn't until we met that he had not, he's worked his entire life, but like under the table stuff where he worked for a tow truck company or things like that. And so I remember early in our relationship when he got a job here in Toledo, you know, I asked him, I said, did you, did you get your, did you get health insurance coverage? He was like, no, I don't want that. I don't want stuff coming out of my check. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> You know what I mean? But it was like that, you know, he had never had health insurance, uh, you know, he had, but not since his dad where he was a teenager. And um, the same thing with dental insurance. I said, well, did you get dental insurance? He's like, no, I don't want that money coming out of my check. No. And he needed dental insurance. There was one point during the year where he needed, in, you know, dental care and he couldn't get it. And so, you know what I mean? Like the trial and error. And then the four, uh, same thing with the 401k, he didn't realize that he needed to sign up for a 401k. And so I said, hey, do you have a 401k? He's like, yeah, I do. I said, okay, let's take a look at that. And he ended up not having it. So it's a learning process. It's just some people learn it earlier. Other people learn it by trial and error. And other people learn it really late in life. The 401k, anywho, the 401k is definitely like a level up beyond health insurance. Like I put it off for the longest time because I, I, like I had, you have to have health insurance because things happen. Right. And it's like, unless that truck backs up over you and you die, they have to pay. To, <laughs> you have to pay to be put back together like Humpty Dumpty. But like 401k, I remember I was never comfortable with like, five percent of my paycheck coming out to save for a, an age i don't even tend to make it to and then yeah. you know you get a little older and you're like okay i can i can put that there and then and then you see you know it growing a little bit and it's kind of nice but um so can i tell you something i spoke to uh i spoke to ashley, ashley. today yeah um and i wish she might have told me this sooner so i'm gonna read you our text exchange 
Okay. Um, and I think that this is this is pertinent because I feel like I'm like a, a co-realtor in, in all of this. <laughs> you are. Um, I. She said, you know, so they have a baby. They have mm-hmm. a dog and a half. They have two. They have two bigger dogs, and um, and it's him and her. It's an Alex and an Ashley. I only have like names of five people in my life. There's Alex's and Josh's. Um, and Ashley's. And Ashley's now. And, and Ashley's. <laughs> So I, I, I said, uh, she said, I really do love it. It's just hard having a baby and all her stuff, plus the pets. I said, mm-hmm. they have three pets too, and eventually a kid. And she said, I don't know if the layout of the house is the best for having a baby. It was good mid-20s or no kid's house. And with and I, I love the layout of it, how it's multi-layered, but I could see how that could be right. kind of chaotic um, bringing a family along. So I obviously want you to buy a house as fast as possible, but... Now that I give that some thought, I wonder if if that's the right setup for where you guys are going. So ironically, Thomas really loves this split level style house. And that's essentially what she has. She has a split level. Um, He loves it. Like when he saw it, um, he was. So the very first house we put an offer on in the summertime was a split level. And he had never been in one. Apparently, it's more of an Ohio thing than a Michigan thing, which I agree because Michigan has like little nugget size houses like lots of single stories i'm thinking i mean you've you've lived in Mich- in the detroit area before right yeah my friend uh his first house was what's the b word a bungalow it was like a bungalow type a bungalow thing. yeah yes so they have a they're super Go ahead. They're, I'm, I'm sure they were very expensive but i've been in a bunch of like the royal like the not so ritzy yeah. royal lake area uh, royal oak mm-hmm. area and there's a bunch of them there and i and they're small they and they're so expensive. Yeah. Like so, I was in Michigan this. I was in Ferndale this weekend and um, driving through. I just you know so sometimes I like to hop on and just see what different markets are calling for. They want like two hundred and ten thousand dollars for eleven hundred square foot little bungalow that that looks the same as the house next door and the house next door and the house next door. I'm sh- I like, and Thomas was saying, he's like, yeah, the Detroit market's completely different. And I said, I don't understand. I can understand if you're in Ferndale or Royal Oak, which would be our version of, I don't per- even know. I don't even Perrysburg, think, I, I mean, Beverly, maybe yeah. Beverly, maybe a li- maybe a little more hip, like Beverly or even Old West End. But I, I don't get it. Anyway, um, yeah, so it, it's just... It, he really likes a split level and he had never been in one before. And so when we put an offer in the summertime, it was a split level home. And there's a ton that we, the one that we were getting ready to offer on last week was also a split level. I personally think it's great. Like I don't have, I don't know. I guess it would depend on what she feels like isn't conducive to a child. Like you could see in the pictures where the living space where the, where they would play with the kid maybe was a little tight. So I guess it, it depends, but I liked it. I mean, I thought it was really nice, but I also don't want, I mean, this, essentially this was her starter home where I don't necessarily want a starter home. I would prefer a home where like my kid can grow up like Ashley and, um, and Kevin, it's Kevin's birthday. Happy birthday, Kevin. Um, where Ashley and Kevin had, you know, their kids until, well, she said maybe until 10, but her kids aren't that old and they're trying to move already. So (laughs) maybe not. No, I I think you've got the right plan. And and from as long as I know Ashley, she's always been like, she's always struck me as a, they were going to wind up in the suburbs kind of um, people anyway. And like, like, again, we're very similar. Like we're fine being in the city, not every part of the city, but we're totally cool having, you know, a city zip code. So 
Well, if you did, you get uh, seeing her place back on the schedule. I haven't put it back on my schedule. No, I haven't um, reached out to the realtor to put it back on the schedule. But I probably like my realtor is really fast. Her name is um, Haley. She's wonderful. Um, she's really fast. So if I text her on Thursday and say I want to see it on Friday or Saturday, she'll make it happen. Well, I only ask. Um, I know you were mentioning later on this week, and I only bring it up because I'm wondering if you don't get in there before then or set the schedule, set the appointment up before then, it could be gone. Right. Well, she has no, so your friend has no loyalty to me. So I assumed that was going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, she has no loyalty to me and I would never ask her to have, to have that, especially if like there's, you know, she could, and not every house is going into a bidding war. You know, the one we looked at on Friday that I sent you um, is still on the market. Like there hasn't been an offer. They haven't accepted at least an offer, the one which is po- shocking. The one that went contingent? No, the one that the one I sent you from Friday night that's off of like Circular Drive. Oh, on, at, like right behind Wixie. Oh, here's my theory on that because that, that was the one that was really well taken care of inside, right? The, they completely renovated it. Yeah, like yeah, it got yeah. flipped. It must have. I looked at a place like that. Um, shit, it's it's a weird road that I never knew of. Um, do you know where you know where uh, Doc Watson's is? I do. The, the bar. So, like, there, there's a side street behind that place that cuts up to, like, Heather Downs, I think. And I, I saw a place over there that was, like, you walk inside yep. and it was totally flipped. And I, I thought about it, but the bedrooms were too small. Um, I'm going to guess that there are just, like, hundreds of Alex and Thomases out there. And mm-hmm. you're all looking at the same places. And everybody said the same thing about that place. Too small. Possibly. Or... Um because our, our realtor could not understand, you know, the price was actually for the way that they did it. Besides the fact that it's small and it's a one bathroom home. Yeah. You know, there should be no reason why the house was marked as low as it was. Like you would, we would have expected it to be higher. And I said, maybe they marked it that low to get people in to look at it and then potentially start a bidding war on it. Hold on. Petey. Hey, hey, Pete, stop. Leave Kitty alone. Okay. So anyway. Um, we're thinking that maybe they'd marked it so low so they could get people in the door to then outbid each other. Um, and that could be what they're doing right now. I don't know, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was perfect. Other than I said, we would have to drywall the the basement, drywall and carpet the basement and put, you know what I mean? Add some rooms down there because it's just so small. Yeah. Um, hold up. I got to knock out a traffic report and, uh, okay. We, we can, uh, we can segue. We might as well just do like, uh, a separate podcast and the pod, the Eric podcast network. will do a housing podcast. <laughs> You'll be like Jesse. Here's another one of these. I don't want to talk about it. So here's how we'll talk about it. Um, okay. this, uh, the Oprah thing last night. So <laughs> you don't care about it. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. And part of me okay. will sound quite rude but so i i know that people have an infatuation with royalty i i don't quite understand that but so 17 million people watched it and i guess that's like more than the emmys and the golden Globes. so there's another reason for me to throw out let's stop with these goddamn award shows um, <laughs> uh, and we'll just put the royals on like once a quarter or something um second like i have sympathy for her but I want to frame mm-hmm. this in a very, in a very layman situation. Have you ever, and having set it up like that, you it'll probably uh, change your opinion or perspective. I I make this akin to 
you finding the person that you want to be with in life, your partner, your mm-hmm. person, your, and then, and then you meet their family. Kind of like mm-hmm. uh, with the last guy that we knew that Floyd was dating for a while. He had some like yeah. real issues with the family. Um, like you meet that person, but everything in their ecosystem, their friends, their neighbors, their relatives, like you're diametrically opposed to everything. Um, de- mm-hmm. It can be as evil as they hate the color of your skin or your religion. And you're now in a conundrum. You love this mm-hmm. person. You know that this person doesn't have any of that in their DNA, but the family kind of comes with the person, if for no more than writing Christmas cards. And I think a lot of people go through that. So, again, she's got my sympathy for the hell that she has been through, but Mm -hmm. you knew this was going to happen. And maybe, look, we don't know what goes on other than what, like, we learned last night or whatever. Um, But maybe Harry should have gotten them the hell out of there a lot sooner and saved her her some of this this torture that she's gone through. So I... I watched it through and through. I have a fascination with the Royals. I do not understand where it comes from. Like, could be the basic bitch in me. Like, I did watch their wedding. I woke up early and watched the wedding, and I it was I enjoyed it, you know. Um, but I, there was a part in the interview where she said that when, because her and Harry met via a blind date, don't really know how that's possible unless they literally <laughs> right. didn't even know each other's names. <laughs> So, okay, you know, and I thought about it. I'm like, what if, like, I was set up on a blind date and it was fucking hairy? And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't think I could stop. You know what I mean? Like, I think I would have ruined it. Anyway, um, so she said that after they met and they hit it off, she she didn't, like, she didn't look him up. Like, she didn't know anything about his family, really. And I'm just like... There is no way, and even Thomas, like even Thomas sat down and was like, this is interesting. And I'm like, there is no way, even like from famous people to just regular ass people, we Google each other. Like there is no way, no way that you did not try to look into him or his family or what he was about. I mean, you had to have at least known basic, he's the prince of, of, England or whatever, a prince, there's no way that you didn't look into him. However, I could understand her not knowing like the deepest of the D. I didn't even know a lot of stuff about the Royals and like, you know, how they function really and, and their general idea. Um, and then I also maybe would have been guilty of feeling like they would have protected me. Like, you know what I mean? I'm important to this man. He's yeah. important to this family, so they're going to protect me and have my best interest in mind. I would have been naive about that as well. So I can re- I can empathize with her for that reason also. Um, but it was just it was it wasn't hard to watch. It was just really sad. Right. Um, it was it was really sad and good for them. Good for Harry. Good for him, because he's like, you're not. This isn't going to be a situation of my mom. And I feel like um, they have a lot of similarities, Megan and Diana, which is ironic. But kids tend to date their parents. If that Have you ever heard of that term? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it doesn't surprise me at all. And I think Harry's going to break the cycle of allowing that kind of stuff to continue and to ruin families and ruin people. 
and I thought it was really sad what he said about his dad too because he you know you could see on his face that he doesn't have a a relationship with his dad that he had hoped he would have and he even went as far as saying and strangely enough my dad under is the main one that can understand all of this um, because of his plight with Camilla and I'm guessing and I, I didn't watch it again I, I don't have whatever you have in your DNA to wake up at the butt crack of a Saturday <laughs> morning to watch yeah. and then care about I sure these did. people um, <laughs> I'm guessing he realizes I mean, he would love to have a relationship with his dad, but his, he realized that his dad chose the monarchy and things Duty, that come with yeah. it and what he's done for his entire life than the love of his son. And I'm sure, I don't know if Harry said this, but I'm sure that makes Prince Charles ache. But this is how these people have oh, been. Yeah. This is how these people have been created for centuries. <laughs> right. It's it, They're bred that way. But I don't, the only thing I struggle I don't know. Like, I guess tr this is like, we, we will never understand this, but this is like centuries of tradition. But the, the British, the, the royals are essentially like talent. Like they're the talent. They're not the people who run the country. The, you know what I mean? Who run the, the union it. and the country. You know, parliament is, the prime minister is. And I know that they, ha I mean, I'm sure that they have a say in it, but are they not just like, um, it's there for the visual for the optics like it, it you know what I mean what 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 this will be interesting to find out what they actually have to give to these kinds of things it I'll put it this way and I'm going to go a step further with you and the talent because you're a thousand percent right they have nothing to, this is not 1618 where they're determining right. <laughs> policies and stuff they're the talent um, and with talent comes a lot of culture and business it completely right. is uh, the Kardashians here, which obviously, thankfully, only dates back a couple of decades. But what they've done over the last 15 years, they, have, they are the talent. They have created trends and culture. Mm -hmm. And when one of those idiots tweets something, things go up millions of dollars and all that nonsense. And that's what the monarchy over there does. That's why... If anything fascinated me when Harry was like, fuck it, I'm out. It was the matter of like them getting cutting off from them getting cut off from money. Not that they would struggle here because they can open up a business or something and, and do just fine. But the business aspect of it did fascinate me. But it sucks. And that's yeah. why I immediately thought of somebody who meets somebody great. And then you realize their family is a bunch of fucking terrorists or awful human beings, but you care so deeply about this person. And we saw it play out last night at, at like the apex of human life with them being the monarchs. But so many people go through that all the time. The one thing that it did remind me of is when we have a U.S. president that's no longer the president, but they still get like, I think, half a million a year. Don't they still get their salary like for life? Um, and they will attend like they will attend official events and they may even go as far as campaigning um, for speaking events. That's essentially what this is. Like they're there for the optics. They're not, they don't have any function in um, our government anymore. They have no place other than support and optics and, you know, maybe campaigning for causes, which is exactly what the Royals do. So that, I mean, that's, that's what it, that's for me, the U S equivalent. Um, so it, 
I get that they have to be, you know, once they left, they have to be taken off of the tax. They can no longer be supported by the taxes anymore. So I understand that, that they're cut off. The other thing that may have disappointed me, and you probably don't know anything about this if you didn't watch it, but Harry, they were talking about like the racial bias and the issues that I saw um, that, that were happening when Harry was, you know, and Oprah came out and asked, I was actually very shocked at how honest they were. And Oprah was like catching them off guard. Like they were, that was shocking. But Harry, you know, Oprah said, if you didn't, if you hadn't have met Megan, would you still be in it? Like, would you still be working? Would you still be a part of this, this institution? And he goes, yeah, I would have, I would. And he goes, you know, I had to learn these things, what Megan was seeing and what Megan was experiencing. And I'm like, Harry, like, this is 2021. You cannot, you were just turning a blind eye to it. You cannot pretend like you did not know that um, the institution that you work for, that you grew up in had the issues that it had and that the press was as biased as they were. Like you can't pretend like you did. You're, you are a highly educated, you know, well-known prince. Like you had to know these things existed. You just turned a blind eye to it. Well, There's a difference. I'll defend him in this. I'm not going to say he turned a blind eye, but then he brought, then he brought the black girl home. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. That's so then what, he, right. So then, right. Then right. he became a part of it. it. It's, it's like, I don't have a good personal example, but of all the places I've lived and look, I've lived here for the last, you know, 10 years of my life and times have changed. And I, it, one day something struck me when I was living here. I was like, there are so many interracial couples here, which I didn't recognize a lot growing up, or I'm just more oh, cognizant. Uh-huh. I'm just more cognizant of it now. But I'm telling but I, I am certain so many of those people had the had the kind of situation where when they brought that person home and the and the, the parents, maybe the grandparents, saw the person of another color and all of a sudden we were no they were they were no longer watching T V or seeing this with others. They were living it and experiencing it with themselves. And granted, you know, yeah. you're talking about like the snide comment every now and then, or grandpa's not a racist, but then you bring the black girl home. Um, and it's a completely different ballgame. So I don't know if he turned a blind eye to it, but he was thrusted into it when he brought the black girl home. And, and, and I mean, I will be the first one. I'm an open book. I am 100% an open book. My father is black. My father's side of the family is all black. They weren't 100% accepting of my mom from the stories that I heard. And they and my mom was half black. <laughs> like, you know, she just doesn't look it. And my father did, you know, didn't always have the greatest comments to make about who my brother chose to marry. So um, it, it is it's absolutely a thing and it's absolutely there. And it's um, but I just was like, mm you can't pretend like you didn't know, or it wasn't until it wasn't until you got with Megan and brought Megan home that you realized what was happening. You know what I mean? I think you knew what was happening. You just didn't have any reason to speak up, which is problematic in and of itself. But I understand. It's, it's what we talk about often lived experience. Um, Sure. And then when you become, and this is why so many people become, you know, an advocate um, or, a person that battles a specific kind of cancer. Like nobody goes, you know what? Today I'm going to be all about kicking prostate cancer's ass. Like nobody has that revelation until it personally affects them. And then they become a huge advocate for it. So, and and he might have never been in the position to go, dad, you should quit the N word jokes Um, (laughs) or anything like that. Um, 
I'm just like picturing, I'm picturing their fucking humor with their accents. I right. need Floyd on so he can do a proper British accent because mine is terrible. So that was that. We can, uh, we can let that go unless you have any final thoughts about that. Cause... My, the, the, the thought I left with yesterday is I'm very excited, I, you know, to see what they will do because I think it will be U.S. based. Yeah, um, I think they, before, like, they, you know, they moved to L.A. or they, they moved to yeah, they, they, I California. Think they, They're definitely in California. Yeah, and I think there was something about them living in Canada, like on the west coast of Canada as well. So they're going to do great. Things. I think it's they're, they're going to do great things for the world. They just had to get away from that that disgusting, obsolete mindset. Not, not right. just not just of like black white, but just the whole idea of that the monarchy, like everything, stops at our at our feet. But it, it'll it will be huge, and I know I know it's going to be from the platform of the Archwell Foundation, which is nice. And I, I because Megan was so candid about her mental health, I think for us there will be a gigantic mental health aspect to the the work that they're going to do that could start in the U.S. and affect a large population of the U.S. Like I feel like I know it'll be worldwide, but I think there will be a lot. I think there will be a lot to do. The U.S. will benefit from the work that they're getting ready to do. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the amount of mental health that she, the amount of mental health that is involved in this conversation will um, definitely come to the forefront of the work that they're going to do. So I'm excited to see it. I want to be a part of it. Although I have all those ideas, like, yes, come to the conferences. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's have this conversation because it's really important. Um, I got to do a quick traffic. Sit tight. Next up, can I share a girl thing with you? Yes. So, we haven't talked about that in a while. No, we haven't. Um, I went over to her house. Uh, she, I, I think I mentioned that she has her son. Like, it was so nice when I was dating the girl a couple of years ago. It was three days on, three days off. It was impossible not mm-hmm. to, like, I could, in my head, the calendar had everything taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't quite figured out what they have here. So she's had her son, like, through tomorrow night. So it's been almost like a week. Um, mm-hmm. so I went over and, uh, I brought her coffee on Friday morning and nice. I was, uh, I was, I easily could have kicked it and, and slept in or whatever, but I was like, I can either go back to bed and wake up in an hour and still feel tired, or I can get up now and do something nice and still feel tired, but I'll have done something nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that, saw her then and, uh, I let her, uh. I let, so uh, did I tell you she's a counselor? No, but I did hear it in conversation on, fr- on Thursday with Ashley. Um, but no, which I was shocked about that. That wasn't one of the first things that came out of your mouth when you were telling me about her off podcast. Really? How can you? Yeah, res- that's can- our thing. That's what we do. Well, and there's a large possibility. I might know her. But do you not want me to? You no, me she, she's mm. she's really off the grid. So I would I would say no. Okay. Like she's not in the clique. Like I don't think she's we've ever run into her or anything like that. Because um, mm. I certainly hadn't before. But um, so she's a counselor, and she has uh, I I've thrown some things her way, and I'm mm. doing my best to mind boundaries. And I almost want to say to her, and I don't think I've I think I've done a good job with it so far. I almost want to say to her, look, if I'm hitting you with too much of this stuff, like just say stop so that yeah. you're not 
being my counselor as opposed to someone that I'm dating. And I actually mm-hmm. kind of like the balance of both, but she uh, loaned me some material, some DBT things, which I'm mm-hmm. going to dive into because I, I didn't have a great time with that a couple of years ago and a counselor that I was working with, but I'm all for reading stuff. Speaking mm-hmm. of the devil, she just texted me. Hey, um, girl. <laughs> um, so I have, uh, so she gave me those materials and I'll go through those, but I have this thing in my, uh, in my phone and I forget why I, I let her see it. I, it's just where I keep notes of things that I look at. They remind me, they're pithy little sayings, little maxims that remind me of like my core values and, and they, they keep me focused on those and um, uplifting quotes and, and all this other stuff. It, it's extremely helpful. And I remember that somewhere in here and it's, I don't know. It's a super long document now because I've been keeping it for eight, nine years. Um, Mm -hmm. It says, sculpt my Michelangelo. And I forget where I took the quote from, from, and no one would ever understand what it means, but I do, but I'll explain it now. So um, when, uh, sculpt my David by Michelangelo. So when Michelangelo started, David, you're familiar with that statue, right? Mm-hmm. The naked dude. Um, lots of pubes. So all it was was a big, giant stone. But Michelangelo yeah. had the vision to chip away everything to create this piece of art. So mm-hmm. it's, in a sense, I'm always looking for people, um, you and others, who can continue to sculpt and chip away at all the rough edges that I have. And... Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of a filter that I use when I'm, I'm dating someone. Like, does someone have that chisel? Not that I'm asking for any kind of like save, like salvation or anything like that, but someone who can make me better and continue to chip away the rough edges, which we all always will have. But also, you know, right. someone that someone that I can do that with, and that's where I want to make sure I'm not crossing any boundaries with her. Going, hey, can we have a session? Um, instead of just hanging out. <laughs> but I, I do see some of those qualities in her where she's, she's got the chisel to, to help me be a better person. I mean, but that's ideally, that's what you look for in a partner. Like that's just you. I mean, I was, I naively made the mistake of thinking I was like my whole self at the time that I met Thomas. So I didn't need any work. Lo and behold, like I, there was a lot that I had to learn that I, from him that I didn't even think that I needed to, if that makes any sense. Like the arrogance that I had, at least. Um, we share that? So, yeah. Huh? We share that, Can too. I, yeah, like, there was so much. I'm thinking, you know, I'm coming into it thinking that I'm, like, this seasoned single person that has come to my whole self. And I needed to learn. There was a ton that I needed to learn, like patience and and not being judgmental and not counseling him because that's what I do. You know what I mean? Where I, you know, instead of giving a rebuttal when he's going through something or trying to help him fix it, I just listen. Um, we're fixing things or rebuttals or, or helping somebody identify things. That's my, that's what I do every day. And when I get home, I need to just shut the hell up. Um, so there was a lot, there was absolutely a lot um, that I needed to do to, that I didn't even realize. Um, yeah. And so, not, yeah, that's the goal. And not everybody can sculpt that out of you or unlock that. I have been in some relationships that I got out of because there just wasn't an emotional and intellectual bandwidth there mm-hmm. that satisfied me. So, mm-hmm. 
But mm -hmm. I, I see her with a chisel. Like most people that I would have shown this document to, they would have been like, you should be in counseling more frequently than, than what you're going. But um, so it's good to see but that also, that's there. I'm I'm very satisfied because I know when we first talked about this, there were some awkward moments and you're like, I don't know, you know, and I'm like, keep on, keep on, keep going, keep trying. And, and not that it was real that it, you know, you felt like it was that hard for you to keep trying, but it was, I feel like normally you probably would not have, or you just would have been like, okay, like, you know, moving on. And I know that you always talk about like, your singleness and you're like, see, this is why I'm good at my job. I have friends, but I'm not necessarily dating or, you know, or have relationships where I'm like, keep going and see how this works. I, and I, you've done it. I've been a lot better at, at that in the last like three to five years of my life than before yeah. that, where if something was off, I was just out and I didn't give people right. more of a chance. And I looked at that in recent years and thought, man, did I throw away something that could have been incredible right. over something over, over minutia. Um, but again, yeah. that was just something that I had to, to grow out of. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't know you at the time of your last significant relationship. We weren't friends. No, we weren't two ships Can't believe there in, was a a time. in a different ocean. Um, <laughs> one last thing. Um, yeah. this, this BG nonsense. And it, I, I have to chalk it up to again, you know, no, nothing surprises me, but I am, I'm a little disappointed and I don't ever want to paint with too broad of a brush and, you know, no subset of people is all one thing. It's, it's just never like that. Um, but Gen Z kind of gets hit the most, I think, with being the cancelers. Mm -hmm. So I think that they, they would come off, they would be the least tolerant of things. And again, you know, Gen Z is not all this or not all that. And I hope that this type of reckless, dangerous, and now still deadly behavior with, forget the hazing, just the excessive drinking. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that the, the last vestiges of this had been rooted out of Greek life. Sadly, it has not. And maybe if, mm -mm. if there's any good that can come out of this, this can be the last one. Because, I mean, again, Gen Z, you're the people, you're, you're the... You're the generation that wants to cancel people or, you know, yeah. bring people to justice more than our generations did at that age. They're the ones with the moral responsibility or at least the desire to have it more so than what we had at that age. And for this stuff to still go on, it's disgraceful and it's got to stop. Like there are people with there was, I guess, some kind of attempt at legislation in the past. I saw Teresa Gavarone said she's working on something like this shouldn't need legislation. Don't kill your friends. It's it, it's not like I hate to be this person, but it is not going to stop. It's not going to stop. He's not going to be the last one. This is so deep in the in the like bowels and and just I don't even know what term to use. It's so deep in the foundation of college life that it is not going to stop. Well, hold um, on. It exists. I, to me, it, it's one thing for everybody to go out and get shit-faced at the bar. But when it comes, and it, 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 this falls under hazing, which I know has, it's receded away in the last handful of years. And again, it's one thing for everybody to go out and get shit-faced and drink too much mm -hmm. and maybe dangerously or, or, or too much deadly. But when it is part of an organization, 
mm-hmm. that is to better human beings. That's how I, I separate and condemn this more than a bunch of people just going out and saying, do shot, shot, shot. Like this is an organization. Like an organization has been brought to its knees. Like that that Pike place or whatever has been shuttered at BGSU uh-huh. because it happened under their roof. So I differentiate this from kids doing dumb drinking things when they're 19. Because you're right, that's, that's going to be... Um, a part of life, but when it's under an organization, I have a huge problem. So the, so, okay. So I will, I will explain what I mean when I say, when I say it's a part of the foundation, it's like Greek life is a part of the foundation of college life, but in order to become a brother or a sister in a Greek fraternity or sorority, you go through, you know, the, the process of that in white in white and black um, Greek life is um, you get, you get picked to join with another group, you know, a, a handful of people. And the goal is to break you down as a human being to then build you back up as a, as a, as a unit or a part of the brotherhood or the sisterhood, the goal literally, and I'm, and I'm probably saying too much and I could get in trouble for this, but the goal is to like break you down as a man and then you and your brothers build each other back up to then to then build that brotherhood or that bond, right? You build the bond from being broken down together and then building yourselves back up in the in the light of this organization. And then you have a bond with each other and then a bond with everyone else who has gone, hey, Petey, he's literally like dragging the cat by his head. Um, and then you have a bond and you know, yeah, sit down. Um, it's, it's in ex- the brother in the brotherhood or their sisterhood and things like excessive drinking like there's you know there's a reason that there are paddles like those paddles aren't just for show you know what i mean and it's it's so deep in the in the foundation of that of that kind of culture or organization or institution it's not going to go anywhere it's just going to go deeper and deeper underground it's, it's not going to stop it's it's a guy thing it's in the fucking military <laughs> or it has yeah. been it's in yeah. sports, and that yep. has gone away. Um, but and this ties back to the Meghan Markle thing a little bit, and um, how she may have opened up some people's eyes to psychology. There are other ways to break people down than mm-hmm. whatever is done in the military to do that, if it's still done. Whatever is done with sports teams, like I know, pro t- pro teams have done away with the real hardcore stuff. Now it's Get up there and embarrass yourself. Like sing your <laughs> sing your alma mater as opposed to some of the other Oh yeah. Some of the other demeaning things. And now this has to stop. Like like Jackie said. Which is psychological. Yeah. Like Jackie, uh that's Jackie is Howard Houdini the weenie. Uh that's his mom. Howard is my, Oh <laughs> yeah. Howard is my weenie friend. Jackie's like, go build some go break somebody down by building a habitat for humanity. And the same thing making him busy. Yeah, the the same things can be achieved in other ways than this Neanderthal caveman behavior. And that's why I'm I sound like some Republican. There's too many laws already. There are enough laws that should stop this from new laws needing to happen. And I'm not looking to some other girl comment on my Facebook page how there was one sorority she was in that was afraid for their lives, that anything would get labeled as hazing. I'm not here to nitpick. Like, yes, older seniors bring the freshmen along in respectful and maybe slightly embarrassing ways that don't demean someone's humanity. This 
has to stop. Like, this is absurd. Like, they killed a kid. Yeah, it is, it is awful. And I, you know, I do think that there should be a shift in the culture that this isn't the expectation anymore or like the, you know, you go into it just knowing that I have got to do this if I want to be a part of this group. This is what I've got to get through. Um, because I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I look at this young man's face and I'm just like, this is really sad. Like, I feel directly connected to it for some reason. And I haven't had, you know, I haven't gone through the process of joining a a sorority before. Um, And it's just, I just find it to be incredibly sad. And it could have been avoided. And the, the, you know, just reading the amount that he was required to consume is inhumane. Yeah. um, And disgusting. And I don't mean to sound like negative, um, when I talk about it, but I do feel like it's not going to go away. It's just going to go further underground and the, um, you know, the extent at which these young people will go to continue to do it, the extent at which they will hide it, but still find a way to continue it, I think will, will continue to happen. Um, which is just sad. It's like, so I think it's like racism and other and and white supremacy and a loud barking dog, which I can't make go underground. Um, <laughs> Apparently, he's like, this is terrible. They shouldn't do that. We can push it underground, and that's fine. Because um, I would rather have it be there, I guess, and marginalized yeah. than what we watched mm-hmm. during the last four years of the presidency, where this <laughs> some of that stuff was encouraged and enabled. At least if yeah. you can extricate this from these organizations... Um, it's less likely to be an issue. It'll there will always be pockets, and kids are always going to do dumb things. But to have it have to have it happen under an organized structure's roof is is disgusting. And yeah, may, maybe this is going to be a lesson will be made out of BGSU. I I don't know. I don't know the legalities of it. Um, and it's it's just a terrible, awful story that was one thousand percent preventable, like you said. And this isn't the first time that I want to say BGSU, maybe it was the University of Toledo, I don't really remember, but there was a, another fraternity that came under fire for, I, I don't know if it was racism or if it was also still hazing, I'm not sure, but they had gotten into some, some crap about it. And I know personally some older members of some of those fraternities that had a lot to say about it. Um, in um, in the, in the de- de- defending them, you know, defending some of those actions, but it's like, you can't really defend that stuff. Like you have to, if you want to be, you know, if you're a part of this fraternity or sorority and you know, these actions are taking place and you're complicit in it, then you have just as much responsibility, you know, not to say that you're, you were the, you know, it was your hands that did the action, but you're going to have to answer to it, you know, because you knew about these things. Um, And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next decade or the next five years, you're going to see as much messaging to young people like for, for say no to hazing as you would see for drugs. Like say no, you know, don't be afraid to walk away. You don't have to do these things. I, it reminds me of like when I had younger cousins that were in high school and I could see them having such a hard time. And I'm like, listen, you will get through high school and it will get so much better. It's the same as college. You don't have to join these fraternities you know, like college will be over with and you will be on to your life and you'll see these, some of them, you'll, some of them, obviously you'll build the bond for life, but others, 
you'll move on and you'll just be a member of this fraternity or sorority and have to pay dues for the rest of your life. And <laughs> like, it's just, you know. It, it should go without saying that this is not to demean the 98% of people who do these right. things that exactly. are awesome exactly. human beings and do get the right things out of Greek life. But when you're talking about the 2% and the death, mm-hmm. that like, this is not... Oh shit! Somebody left a stink bomb off at the Stroh Center at BG, BGSU. Someone died. A young died. person died. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, wrap it up. Uh, we have to get Janet tomorrow, or I have to get Janet, and then we'll uh, we'll figure out another way to connect. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Bye. Bye.